0: Thank you, Daniel. It was so good to see him and Giovanna yesterday at the uh, couple's shower. They helped, and uh, we got the fellowship for a little bit. I, they've been married for two months already. It seems like two weeks, you know? just amazing how time flies. We're so thankful for them, and God's calling on their life, and, and we're excited how God's going to use them. Take your Bibles and turn with me, if you would, now to Acts chapter 10. We're only going to tackle the first 23 verses this morning. And you snicker, but I had thought about preaching the entire chapter. Uh, and then I thought better of it. I thought, well, maybe that'd go a little long. So we're going to look at the first 23 verses. I had Pastor Blake read from Ephesians chapter 2. And I, and I trust what you were seeing there is that Paul is writing to the Ephesian believers, most of whom were Gentiles, saying, look, look what God has done. That which divided you from Gentiles is done away. It's obliterated in Christ. And Christ has one body of the church. And this whole chapter is going to emphasize that. And we're going to be looking at Cornelius conversion. And what God was teaching Peter. Who was one of the chief apostles of the early church. And how important that this is going to be. Because the church started at Jerusalem. Christ came through the nation of Israel. And according to God's promise to Abraham. Through Israel, through the nation that Abraham would come through Abraham, all the nations would be blessed through Messiah. And yet it started in Jerusalem with the Jews. And remember that God had wanted there to be a distinction. He wanted there to be a separation. He did not want the heathenistic, polytheistic worship of the nations around them, that paganism, to influence Them and their walk and their loyalty to him. But the Jews become very exclusive to the point where even these Jewish Christians were wondering. Is the gospel even for the Gentiles? i was doing just a little bit of research and you know the Masters Tournament is played at Augusta National Golf Course here in our own state. And uh, membership applications are by invitation only. You cannot apply without an invitation. The, you know what the application cost is for that? The best estimates are between forty and two hundred thousand dollars. That's for the application fee and then you're accepted. And then who knows exactly how much it is every year just to maintain your membership. So it's very exclusive. There's only a few people that can come up with $40,000 to $200,000 towards an application for a membership at a golf course. And, and until 2012, women weren't even allowed to apply. So there was kind of an exclusiveness about Augusta. There's still kind of an exclusiveness as far as becoming a member. And you know, there was kind of that same feeling among the Gentiles as the gospel is given to them. And this issue with the Jews and saying, wait a minute, salvation is of the Jews. It is for the Jews, is of the Jews, but it's not only for the Jews and so before we get into our text this morning, I want you to see that God had planned for the gospel to be proclaimed to everyone. Look, if you, just in a minute, before we look at our chapter, uh, chapter 10, I want you to, to, to understand two things. First, God revealed his eternal plan in the Great Commission. For instance, in Mark 16 and verse 15, the Bible says, and he said unto them, go ye into all the world, not into all of Israel, and preach the gospel to every creature not just every Jew in Luke 24 and verse 47 and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name among all nations pretty clear isn't it but even in the Jewish mindset they were like well you know there are Jewish colonies within all the major cities around the known world so that's what God wants us to do It's interesting because even though Paul was the apostle to the Gentiles, he talks and he writes in Romans about his heart's desire was for his Jewish brethren that they might be saved. So he still had that passion and his pattern was to first go to the synagogues and preach Christ and those that would believe great and those that rejected, then he would go to the Gentiles and he would preach the gospel to the Gentiles. But in Acts 1, eight, even the Great Commission there, and ye shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. And it's not only to the Jews found in the uttermost part of the earth. It was God's intention that all of this would take place, that, that the gospel would be preached to Gentiles also. God revealed his eternal plan in his perfect timing in Ephesians chapter 3, verses 4-6. to 6, Whereby, the Bible admonishes us, when you read, ye may understand by knowledge in the mystery of Christ, which in other ages was not made known unto the sons of men, but now is revealed unto his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit, that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs. The eternal riches are not only for believing Jews, they are also for believing Gentiles and of the same body. There is not a Jewish Christian church and a Gentile Christian church. There is one body of Christ and partakers of his promise in Christ by the gospel. Now let's look in our passage this morning. I want you to see first of all that God prepared Cornelius to receive the gospel. Read verses 1 to 8. There was a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius, a centurion of the band called the Italian band or cohort. A devout man, one that feared God with all his house, which gave much alms to the people and prayed to God always. He saw in a vision evidently about, and that means clearly, openly, about the ninth hour of the day, an angel of God coming into him and saying to him, Cornelius. And when he looked on him, he was afraid and said, what is it, Lord? He realized he was in the presence of a divine being or of a supernatural being. And he said unto him, Thy prayers and thine alms are come up for memorial before God. And now send men to Joppa and call for one Simon, whose surname is Peter. He lodgeth with one Simon, a tanner, whose house is by the seaside. He shall tell thee what thou oughtest to do. And when the angel which spake unto Cornelius was departed, he called two of his household servants and a devout soldier of them that waited on him continually. And when he had declared all these things unto them, he sent them to Joppa. Now, Cornelius was a God-fearing Gentile who did not know the truth of the gospel. Actually, there was, during this time period, a term the Jews used for people like Cornelius. They actually called them or labeled them God-fearers. So they were considered God-fearers. That is, they were very respectful of Jehovah God. They were now convinced, I believe as Cornelius was, that there are not many true gods. There's only one true God. And, and, and you had to understand his word, which was the Old Testament scriptures. So there was a great respect for that and a desire to know that God and a great respect for the Jewish people. But he was not a saved man. He was devout. He was sincere. He was generous. But he was not a saved man. And folks, we understand that it's possible to be very religious and still be lost. It's not by coming to church. It's not by being able to quote a few verses or know some, some Christian lingo or give money in an offering plate or try to do your best to be a good moral person. None of those things will avail you. For the Bible says in Ephesians 2, "...for by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It's the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast." Isaiah 64, 6 declares, well, we all are as an unclean thing and all our righteousness, all our good works are as filthy rags. And so we must have the righteousness of Christ. Were it not for the fact that God in his grace spoke to Cornelius, he would have remained an unbeliever. Because the Bible says in John 6, Jesus himself said, no man can come to me except the father which sent me draw him. And yet God was drawing Cornelius. And that is why he had come to the place because God had in limited revelation revealed these things to Cornelius. And I believe there's a biblical principle here that when a person will reveal to the revelation that God has given them in a way that submits to God's authority or will, when they submit in a positive way to that general revelation or that limited revelation, God will give them more and more specific revelation. The Bible even talks in Romans That the things of God are clearly seen from creation so that man is without excuse. All around us there is visible evidence of God. And that may be the only evidence that man has. Maybe he's never heard the gospel. But if he has been exposed to general revelation and he recognizes and begins to seek after that one true God. I believe God will give him more revelation to that point where he'll come to know and understand Christ. God is the initiator working in our hearts so that we may be moved to search for him. God's promise is that if we respond to the revelation he has given us, he will continue to give us more specific revelation. Not only has God revealed himself through creation, but he's revealed himself to us through our consciences, through the lives of Christians, and through his word as his Holy Spirit administered it to our hearts and minds. Cornelius then, as you see, obeyed God's command as related to him by... The angel, the angel gave detailed instructions, send men, send them to Joppa, send them to the household of one Simon, the Tanner, and ask for Simon Peter. And so the angel relates God's very specific message to Cornelius. And what does Cornelius do? He obeys. He immediately calls some men and he sends them with this message and he obeys. Immediately there's no hesitation. So what divine guidance God gave him, he responded to. And if a person responds to the divine revelation and guidance that he gives them, if they will continue to respond, God will draw them to his son, to where they can understand the gospel and be saved even as Cornelius and his household. Second, I want you to see though that God prepared Peter. To share the gospel. Look if you would with me beginning in verse 9. And on the morrow as they went on their journey. The guys have already been sent. They're already on their way. They went on their journey and drew nigh unto the city. Peter went up on the housetop to pray about the sixth hour. Now this is God's perfect timing. It was about uh, 30 hours or so. It would take you to get from one to the other. So there's about a three day journey of walking for these men. And they set out. And then the Bible says that as they're approaching the cities they're approaching Joppa, Peter's going up on the housetop about lunchtime and he's hungry. So God uses his hunger and 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 sends him a message through a vision to give him a message to prepare his heart to be able to share the gospel with Cornelius this Gentile. The Bible says in verse 10, He became very hungry and would have eaten. But while they made ready, he fell into a trance and saw heaven open and a certain vessel descending unto him as it had been a great sheet knit at the four corners and let down to the earth, wherein were all manner of four-footed beasts of the earth and wild beasts and creepy things and fowls of the air. And there came a voice to him, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. Peter said, Not so, Lord, for I have never eaten anything that is common or unclean. And the voice spake unto him again the second time, What God hath cleansed, that call not thou common. And this was done thrice, and the vessel was received up again into heaven. Now while Peter doubted in himself with this vision, which he had seen should mean, behold, the men which were sent from Cornelius had made inquiry at Simon's house. And stood before the gate and called, asking whether Simon, which was surnamed Peter, were lodged there. So, God is preparing Peter to share the gospel. God used a circumstance, Peter's very hungry, to illustrate the truth that the Old Testament dietary law was not a legitimate ground for excluding Gentiles from the gospel message. I believe that, that Peter's first impression, though, of this was, was that this was not an instruction from the Lord. This was a test, okay? Because he sees the, all the sheep come down, and there's all manner of animals. There were clean and unclean animals mixed together, just as the church is of what the Jews would have considered the clean animals, the Jews, and the unclean, which would be the Gentiles. And so there were clean and unclean animals all mixed into this one. She and what God is saying to him is, rise, Peter, kill and eat. Any of this is legitimate for you to kill and eat. And I believe that Peter was thinking, this is a test from the Lord. You know, oh Lord, I'm not going to go, violate that, that dietary law. And God says, don't you call unclean what I have called clean. And he begins to realize very quickly that this is a message. There's some instruction here for him. why three times? Because Peter's not getting it because this is so radical to his thinking. You know, as we who have walked with Christ for a while, see people saved or people that are newly saved come into our church, it is God's plan that believers disciple other believers And we need to understand that the gospel in this new life in Christ and biblical thinking is radical. These concepts are new to these young believers and it takes time and it takes patience and it takes love and it takes our example and it takes our continual following up and entering into their lives and sharing with them these things because these are some radical transformations that are taking place. And it took Peter, Time And he had walked with Jesus and he'd seen Jesus do all of these miracles and, 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 and he uh, had all of these wonderful divine experiences already. And yet it still took him three times for this vision to be given to him before he began to comprehend and surrender to it. Next, chapter 10. In verse 28, and he said unto them, because this is later on in the passage, he says, And ye know that it is an unlawful thing for a man that is a Jew to keep company or to come to one of another nation. But God has showed me that I should not call any man common or unclean. So God is saying, stop thinking of the Gentiles as being unclean and therefore not part of the gospel sphere of influence. Gentiles can be saved and enter into the kingdom. So then God prepared Cornelius and Paul to meet at exactly the right time. Look at verse 10. We'll go back, and he became very hungry, would have eaten, but while they made ready, he fell into a trance. Now, skip down with me to verse 17 to 20. Now, while Peter debted himself with this vision, which he had seen should mean, behold, the two men which had sent from Cornelius had made inquiry for Simon's house, and he stood before the gate. So he's had this vision. He's beginning to understand. He's still contemplating and meditating. What does this mean? What is God telling me? I'm beginning to understand. I need to start processing this. Remember, God had already been. Uh, working in him to the point where Simon who was a Jew was willing to go Simon Peter and be in a tanner's house and remember that tanners were considered unclean and so to go into that would have been ceremonially uh, defiling in the estimation of the Jews in Peter's day and so God has already been working him towards that opening his heart towards that but as he's thinking at that precise moment These men come and they're asking, hey, is Simon Peter here at this house? We've been sent here. Is this the right place? You see God's perfect timing in this. God had to some degree been preparing Peter by staying with Simon the Tanner. But God began in the vision just as the men were approaching the town. When the vision was ending, the men sent by Cornelius began to inquire for Simon Peter by name. And God instructed Peter... While he was still confused and sorting things out, we don't have to know every detail before we are ready to obey. Look back with me in the passage in verse 19. And while Peter thought on the vision, the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, said to him, Behold, three men seek thee. Arise therefore, get thee down and go with them, doubting nothing, for I have sent them. So again, we see that that god is peter's still a little confused he's still sorting this out and the spirit of god speaks to peter says hey these three men are seeking you go don't doubt i've sent them this is my will this is clear and even though peter didn't have all of this sorted out and all lined up in a neat little box and tied with a bow in his in his mind and his being able to conceive and understand it he had very clear command from god You know, sometimes Christians say, well, you know, there's this issue in my life and there's that issue in my life. And so, you know, I really can't serve God right now um, or I really can't. You know, once I get my life in order, then I'll really start pursuing my relationship, my fellowship with Christ. I'll really start serving God in ministry. Once I get my ducks in a row, then, right? What's the problem with that? Every time you get the ducks in a row, they scatter. (laughs) You can't keep them all in a row. And seek ye first, Jesus said in Matthew 6, 33, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. You will never have an ideal set of circumstances to begin serving God. You'll never have an ideal time in your life where it's gonna be easy for you to pursue an intimate fellowship with Jesus Christ. So in the middle of your imperfect, topsy-turvy, busy, crazy life right now, even though there may be some things in your life that are confusing and you don't have it figured out, don't put your pursuit of Christ on hold until you get it all straightened out. And don't put on hold your serving God until you get it all straightened out as God clearly leads you in a certain sphere of ministry and service as he gives you divine appointment opportunities take them and God will continue to give you clarity and let the Lord of all creation handle your circumstances. God had been drawing Cornelius for quite some time as he had been preparing Peter and they came together exactly when God planned And then look at verses 21 to 23 because God will use you to share the gospel if you're willing for him to use you. In verse 21, then Peter went down to the men which were sent unto him from Cornelius and said, Behold, I am he whom ye seek. What is the cause wherefore ye are come? And they said, Cornelius the centurion, a just man, and one that feareth God of good report among all the nation of the Jews, was warned from God by an holy angel for to send thee into his house to hear words of thee. Then he called them in and lodged them. And on the morrow, Peter went away with them and certain brethren from Joppa accompanied him. And we'll look at that passage, that verse, verse 23, in a little more detail next week. But here's what I want you to see. God had been preparing Cornelius for quite some time. God had been preparing Peter's heart. And God, in his perfect time, brought them together. When Cornelius was ready to receive the truth, when he had been responding to the revelation God had been giving them. As Peter has been had been obeying and responding and open to the teaching of God, though it didn't line up with some of his traditional thinking and some of his assumptions, and God was having to give him clarity, and even though he was still confused, the Spirit spoke very clearly to him and gave him instruction. Peter obeys, and as God is preparing Peter when the time was right. God brought them together. The Lord is preparing the hearts of people all around us to hear the gospel. He's preparing the hearts of people all over the world to hear the gospel. And the Lord is preparing your heart, if you're a believer, to share the gospel. You know, even this message is part of God's working, I trust, in your heart. If you will listen and respond to the work of the Holy Spirit in your life. It's not that there aren't divine appointments that God has set for us. And it's not necessarily that every day we are going to have a divine appointment. But as God is preparing us and as we are looking and praying for those opportunities and we're responding to God's leading in our life, we can trust that God is preparing hearts to receive the gospel. How do I know that? What did Jesus say? Lift up your eyes. And look on the fields, for they are white already to what? Harvest. God has been planting the seeds of the gospel in people's hearts. It might be through somebody searching, doing a Google search, and going and seeing a message on YouTube or some church website And the Spirit of God begins to show them their need, and they don't understand everything, but they're beginning to respond to that limited revelation and that work that God has so far done in their heart. And then they get in a conversation with somebody at work or their neighbor across the street or next door to them, and in that conversation, they kind of bring that up, and and there's a little more conversation, and, 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 and God gives them a little more revelation. And God is continuing to do that work and preparing their hearts. And there are folks that God has already been doing that process in their lives and he has prepared them to meet up with you. Are you being led of the spirit? Are you allowing the spirit of God to prepare you to minister? Are you willing to say, God, I don't feel I'm ready. I don't feel I am adequately prepared. You never will feel that way. You know why? Because our dependency is not on ourselves. It's not in our wisdom. It's not in our expertise. Our dependence is on God. It's on his grace. It's on the leading of his spirit. It's on the authority of his word. We can trust that if God has prepared a person to where they are white in the harvest, that they are ready. Listen, when fruit on a tree is ripe, It is easy to pluck. Folks, we sometimes overcomplicate things, don't we? But you know what? We just need to share the gospel. And the gospel is so simple. Jesus said, unless you come with the faith of a little child, you can't enter the kingdom of heaven. There is no excuse for any Christian to say, I'm not prepared to share the gospel. What is your salvation testimony? What verses did the Spirit of God use to illumine your understanding? How did he work in your heart that you came to him and called on him by faith? There are folks that are white unto harvest. There are people that are ripe, ready to be plucked, ready to become believers, to be saved, to have eternal life, to escape eternal death. People that God has been working and investing in them because he loves them. And because they have been responding to his leading and revelation in their life. But you and I, like Peter, must be allowing God to help us to set aside any prejudices, any preconceived notions, and any excuses of not having some certain thing figured out in our life. We need to cast off procrastination and fear and trust that the God who authored salvation can in that moment lead us by his spirit to clearly share the gospel and even if we get our tongue wrapped around our eye tooth and we can't see what we're saying god can in our garbled mess still clearly share truth in that person's heart to where they need they realize i need to repent i need to turn from trusting in myself and i need to place my faith only in jesus christ and just simply trust and ask him to cleanse me from my sin to give everlasting life you can trust in the power of god it is not in the words enticing words of men's wisdom but it is in the power of god that souls are saved and god wants to use you and what an incredible blessing have you ever stopped to wonder who are the people you are going to meet in the millennium You're just going to come across their path as we are worshiping and serving our Savior together in the millennium. And they're going to say, you know what? You planted the seed. The first time I ever really heard the gospel or saw the gospel is when you handed me a gospel tract or when you shared a little bit about your testimony. Or, you know, you watered the seed of the gospel. You were consistent in your walk with the Lord at work or at school or, or wherever. And I saw that and, and I heard bits and pieces. And, but I saw your testimony and God used that to water the seed that had been planted in my heart. And won't it be a wonderful time of fellowship as we give praise to God. And we say, you know what God was preparing your heart to receive the gospel, God was preparing my heart to share the gospel. And God gave me that, that tenderness and that sensitivity to what he was doing and to your need. And, and God was, was putting that urgency in my heart to share the gospel and, and your hunger and searching for the truth. And God brought us together and, 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 and we are together for all of eternity. Isn't God so mad, majestic and wonderful? And isn't he so good? Have you ever stopped to think about that? We just need to be faithful stewards with the gospel. The Lord is preparing divine appointments for us to proclaim the gospel. It might be our divine appointments just to sow the seed or to water the seed. We might get an opportunity to reap in the harvest. But we are called by God to be faithful. You say, Pastor Todd, I've been faithful to share the gospel lots of times. And very rarely have I seen anybody saved. Have you ever stopped to think that if nobody plants the seed, there can never be a harvest? If we just start by turning a conversation towards spiritual things and planting seed thoughts of eternity into people's minds and go as far as we can with the gospel as is we have opportunity at that moment, God can use that if we'll be faithful. Hey, you know, maybe it's time for some of you again to reach out to some of your unsaved loved ones, people that you've known in the past that you've witnessed to and you've prayed for for years, but it's been a long time since you've shared the gospel with them. Maybe God has been doing a work in their heart like he was in Cornelius. Maybe there is somebody that is hurting and you know it, but there's something in your life there's something in your thinking that still causes you to be a little biased towards them and it's causing you to hesitate from sharing the gospel with them would you allow God to do work in your heart like he was doing in Peter's would you not use the excuse or use the line of thinking and reasoning well my life's kind of topsy-turvy right now. When I get my circumstances straightened out, I'll start serving God. No. Listen, serve God now in the middle of your mess. And you know what? God even gets greater glory in that. Let's yield ourselves up as available vessels. You know, someone has said that God won't use dirty vessels. But God will use imperfect vessels. You and I are not perfect. But if when the Spirit of God speaks to us, we acknowledge what we need to make right with him. Say, Lord, cleanse me, restore me in fellowship with you. Now, Lord, use my life. I make myself available as if frail and imperfect and weak as I am. Lord, pour out your grace upon me. Equip and enable me so that I may be able to share forth your truth. God will do that. Shall we pray? Lord, your plan has not changed. From your Old Testament promise in Genesis 3.15 to Adam and Eve, to your promise a little later in the book of Genesis to Abraham, all the way through to the Great Commission, we understand that the gospel is to be proclaimed to everyone. And maybe, Lord, for some reason, we who are saved still struggle with some prejudices in our lives. Maybe there are some things that should not be holding us back from witnessing to somebody, and yet we've allowed it, but you are working. Would you prepare us, Lord, to share the gospel? Some people rub us the wrong way. Some people aren't easy to love. Some people are belligerent and blasphemous. And Lord, while we can never condone their sin, we ought to love their soul and share with them the good news that Jesus Christ came into this world to save sinners of whom I am chief. Lord, would you show us those that you are preparing around us? Help us to plant the seed. Help us to water the seed. And Lord, if you would allow us to go out into ripe harvest field this week and share the gospel with somebody whose hearts you have prepared to to receive it and to finally put their faith in your son, the Lord Jesus Christ, for salvation. Help us to be ready. Help them to be ready. Bring us together at the perfect moment and help us to proclaim clearly your truth so that that person may trust you as their savior. And we leave, Lord, that all up to you and depend completely on you for that. For we know that you are even now, as you were then, preparing hearts. You are still saving souls. You are still using your redeemed people to proclaim your word. Lord, may we heed the words of the hymn writer, rescue the perishing, care for the dying, Snatch them in pity from sin and the grave. Weep or the erring one, lift up the fallen. Jesus is merciful. Jesus will save. Our heads are bowed. We're not going to have a come forward invitation this morning. You just remain seated. In a moment, our pianist will play a hymn of invitation. But let me encourage you, however the spirit of God has applied his truth to your heart this morning, that you would respond. For somebody, it might be, hey, you know what? I've realized that I'm not right with God. If I were to die, I would not be with him in heaven. I would be sent to that place of eternal punishment called hell. But I don't want that. I I want to be right with God. And I realize, beginning to realize something. Would you just pray and ask God to give you more light, more revelation, and promise him that you'll respond to that? And I would invite you when the invitation time here is over, our prayer time of meditation is over, and we dismiss our service. As you come back to the connection point, let me know that. I'll I'll sit down with the Bible. I'll answer your questions and help you. And if you're ready to trust Christ as your Savior, I would rejoice to be able to be a part of that. But brothers and sisters in Christ, is your heart right with God? Have you been making excuses about not serving Him? Are you prepared and looking for opportunities to witness there are, only, there are people that only you are going to be able to plant the seed or water the seed or see reaped in the harvest. What a privilege God would use any of us to be a part of that miraculous process. But maybe there's a need in your life this morning. The Spirit of God has spoken to you as a believer. Would you just obediently respond? Whether you need to confess something to make it right with the Lord, whether you just need to, again, make yourself available and say, I'm stepping out by faith. In the middle of my life, though it's a mess, I'm gonna serve you, Lord. I'm going to be a witness for you. I want want you to use me in my life. Whatever that decision, would you make that this morning? And if you have a question or a need after the service, uh, if you'd like some counsel from the Word of God, please come to the Connection Point and let me know that. And we'll sit down, we'll talk, we'll pray, we'll set up some times to meet, and we'll try to help you by God's grace. As our pianist begins to play, would you respond to the Lord right now?